Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. I'm so glad you guys are here. My name is Drake. It's an honor to have you here. I'm the pastor here, and I'm so pumped to continue our series, Starting Point. If you're new with us, all of this is on our podcast, our YouTube channel. You can go back and check all of that out. It's been kind of a series coming together, building on top of one another. And so while, you know, you're not missing out by being here for the first time, there's definitely some helpful pieces that have been coming together throughout the entire series. And it's been an honor not only for us to walk through together, been encouraging for me, hopefully for you, but also hopefully it's a resource for you. Uh, maybe you are uh, written a resume wrestling through your own personal faith journey, or you have friends, family, co-workers that are kind of interested, this is a resource that you can share with them, put, the, put in their hands, ears, ears and hands, maybe eyes too, depends on what kind of format you give them, but it's a really helpful resource that I hope has been encouraging to you. Now, uh, to catch you up, the premise of this series is that everything has a starting point. Everything in life has a starting point. Some things are started on purpose, some things we kind of assume, but everything has a starting point, including faith. And for some of you, I don't know what your spiritual background is, where you're coming from, how you got in here today, whether you were tricked into coming or you came on your own volition, you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is, it's an honor to have you, but the reality is we all have some kind of experience exposure to faith. And so some of you, you had a starting point of faith when you were young. You kind of handed a paradigm, if you will. And then maybe as you started to grow up, your childhood faith started to have some disconnects and some problems. It it didn't grow up with your adult life. And so you have what ifs and what abouts and hard questions and life experiences that start to disconnect uh, uh, what what you were told as a child. And you're trying to figure those things out. Some of you uh, kind of put your own paradigm of faith together. Some of you were raised, you know, completely outside of the Christian faith uh, in, in and of itself, and so you kind of put your own pieces together growing up, and then you got into college, and then you started to wrestle with it, and then life got busy, and then maybe it's not even been a thought or a conversation for you up until this point, um, but the reality is because there's so many different spaces that a starting point can have, or I'm sorry, that faith can have when it comes to a starting point, what we're talking about, what we've been walking through is what would it look like to take a step back and to, to like restart, like if, if you were just going to restart today, just kind of remove every, you know, past experience, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, if you're going to have an adult starting point, then where would you start? And that has been the premise of this series, is if we were going to start over, then there's probably some gaps that we need to address. We've been trying to address those gaps over and over again. Now today, as we move into the conversation, this might or might not be true of your own faith journey. And again, by the way, listen, I I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey today, but no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome in this space. But before we get into the content of our conversation today, I want to do some celebrating. Can you guys party with me for a second? Last week after our services, we had the privilege of going down to Boulder Creek and celebrating with some baptisms. Come on, put your hands together. Now, before I show you these pictures... Before I show you these pictures, I just want to clarify, right, baptism is something we do after we begin the faith journey with Jesus. And so when we make the decision to trust in Jesus, baptism is something we're celebrating externally about what Jesus has already done internally. It's like my wedding ring. My wedding ring is a symbol of my marriage. It does not make me married. I've lost probably five or ten of my wedding rings at this point, and I'm still married, thank God. Um, But, uh, uh, you know, my wedding ring doesn't make me married. It's simply a symbol. The same thing is true of baptism. Jesus invites us into that to identify with him externally, to celebrate 
celebrate externally what has already happened through faith internally. So last week, I had a couple pictures to throw up on the screens for you. Paul Motter got baptized in the coldest water I've been in all year. You can just roll through those, guys. Uh, this is Paul getting super wet. That's actually smiles of pain that we both have right there. He did a great job. And then also our friend Madison got baptized. Come on, put your hands together for Madison. Go ahead and throw her picture up there. Yeah, man, she was brave, and it was so cold. What's really cool, listen, if you, don't have the, if you haven't had a chance yet to hear their stories, it was such an honor. You can just kind of scroll through those uh, so people can see them. But um, if you haven't had a chance to hear their story, they're both very encouraging. They're very, both very unique. And our heartbeat here, and I believe it reflects the heart of God, is to meet you where you are. It's to meet you where you are and help you take a next step. And so for both of their stories, they were in very different places on their, on their spiritual journey. Um, but not only is, is God willing to meet us where we are, but then as a church, we carry that same heart. And so their stories are really encouraging. Their stories are incredible. Um, super awesome. Madison made the decision at the end of service on Sunday. She was not planning on it, but after service, she was like, hey, I, I need to get baptized. And so can we put our hands together one more time for God's incredible love for us and the celebration of that amazing step. Proud of you guys. Really proud of you. Um, as always, if you're interested in getting baptized, have more questions. That's probably the last time we're doing it in the creek <laughs> this year. That might have been a mistake. I'm just going to let you know. No one went to the hospital, but it was cold. Uh, so from now on, we have a heated tank <laughs> that we'll be using, not the creek, for the rest of the year. But if you're interested, you can let us know on that connection card. Even if you have questions, we're happy to follow up with you. Okay, starting point. You guys ready? Dig into this conversation. So here's what, what is probably true about you. Even Here's what's interesting about our conversation today. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus or you, know, you don't really know, you know where you land on your spiritual journey, this is probably something you and I have, have in common, and that it, it's like at some point um, in, in our, in our you know, lives, especially as we kind of get into the adulting side of life, um, we all start to make bargains with God. And again, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you're like not even sure that God is there, you know, we kind of get into those moments where we're like, oh God, <laughs> you know, like when the lights show up on, uh, you know, behind us as we're driving down the highway, and we're like, oh God, right? So we, we, we do these like kind of bargains and negotiations with God, and this might be, this is true of me, it might be true of you, so things like, God, you know, if, if you will help me get out of this speeding ticket, I promise I will go to church every week this month, God, you know, if, if you will, you know, help me get out of this, I promise I'll never, God, if that pregnancy test will come back negative, I promise I'll never, God, if the IRS doesn't catch what happened, I promise I will always, right? We have these like little things. God, if you can help me pass this test today, I promise. We start to make negotiations with God in lots of different scenarios. Sometimes they're silly and, you know, whatever. They're, they're, they're just kind of in the moment. And other times they're a little more serious. God, if you'll do this, I will. And, and what's interesting about this concept, and, I, and I'm not sure where you might have kind of got to this place of thinking and understanding, but it's like there's this thing inside of us that thinks that we can bargain with God. That, that like you and I have something that God wants or something that God needs, right? And so we start to show up and we're like, hey, God, if you will, I will. You know, if you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll help my kids have the right crowd to hang out with, I will. If you'll help my kids get into that college, you know, we, we'll, we'll give a little extra money to the church. You know what I mean? We have all these little like things that we do. And again, even if it's, it might be subconscious, um, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, we have these little things that sometimes happen. But here's what's ironic. When it's heavy, you know, when we're like, oh, God, help me help me get out of this, or help me in this space, or whatever, you know, we, we, we ask God for that, and then when it goes according to plan, right, when, when, when the things line up, and we don't get the ticket, and the baby doesn't show up, and you know what I mean, like, like when those things happen, we don't hold up our end of the bargain, right, like, that's, that's the ironic part about, like, our little bargaining chips with God, is, like, we just kind of chalk it up to coincidence, like, anytime that things go well, we're like, oh, man, I was so lucky, you know, my project was due at work, but my boss was sick that day, so I got an extra day, right, but on the front end, we're praying to God, but then on the back end, we're like, oh, it was just circumstance and chance, and oh, you know, like, you know, it's like when you're in high school, you're driving home, God, please, 
They'll let my parents be awake when I get home. And then they weren't. And the next day you're telling the story to your friends and you're like, oh man, I was so lucky. My parents were asleep, right? We just don't hold up our end of the bargain. We're like, we kind of negotiate with God on the front end, unless, unless it goes the opposite way, right? Then if, if mom and dad are awake when you get home, you're like, God, where are you? You don't love me. <laughs> you don't care, right? We have these funny ways of dancing around negotiation and bargain. And, and again, uh, w- when it works out in our favor, we tend to kind of assume or attribute that success uh, kind of just generally rather than going back and saying, oh, maybe, maybe God did that. Now, here's two assumptions. And again, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, so I'm just kind of building a framework of, of maybe something that you've wrestled with or you've seen some other people do. Now, two assumptions that happen when, when you and I kind of enter into this negotiation mindset with God. Number one, if you've ever negotiated with God, you're assuming that God knows you exist. Now, now these are massive assumptions, okay? And again, this is, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, like, this is part of it, right? Like, I have friends who are atheists, and, and then we've had conversations, and, and they're talking about, well, you know, I prayed for this the other day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we have these funny disconnects in our soul of, like, I'm not sure if God is there, but if he is, I'm going to give it a shot. At least send it out there to the universe or something, right? And so there's some operation happening in our mind. Number one is, is when you, when you kind of try to negotiate with God, when you and I try to do this, we're assuming, this is a massive assumption, by the way, that God knows you exist, like that God knows your name, that when you pray, when you kind of send up some prayers in your mind or out loud up into the, the, the ceiling of your room or in your car or whatever, you're assuming that God knows you exist, and you're also assuming that God gives a rip, <laughs> Right? I mean, I'm just saying, this is just a logical assumption where we're going, right? When you and I try to negotiate with God, whether, you know, you, you're a follower of Jesus or not, this is number one assumption, is that if there is a God, he knows you exist. Number two, at, in that assumption, is we're also assuming that you and I have something that God wants. When we try to negotiate, when we try to kind of get into this zone and, and, and negotiate with God, hey, God, if you will, I will, we're assuming that God has something that, that, he, that, or I'm sorry, that we have something that, that God wants. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't know what your, your faith background is, but if you've been in church for a minute, you know, you're like, all right, God, how about a little bit of, a little bit of obedience, huh? You're like, huh, you like that? I'll give you a little bit of that if you'll show up. Or, hey, God, how about a little bit of church attendance, huh? You know, I, I'll, I'll start showing up a little bit if you, if you can just pull through. Or, you know, God, you know, if, if you can help my mom get better in the hospital, then I'll, I'll throw a little bit of money. I mean, I've heard that that's all you care about anyway, or just at least what the leaders of your church care about, right? Like, that was a joke. It's funny. Um, Partly funny because it's true and sad. Okay, anyway, um, it's not true of me for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> it's poking. Right, we, we try to bargain with God as if we have something that God wants. How about a little bit of Bible reading, God? A little, little quiet time? Maybe, you, you know, we can kind of move things in that favorable direction. And, and, and the idea is when we begin operating out of this assumption, this bargaining chip with God is, is, is as if we have something that God wants. Hey, God, you do this for me and I'm going to hook you up because I got something that you want. And I, I just need you to understand, like, and I think we, we arrive at this logical conclusion when we sit in it, but it's not our practical step. And, and so th- let me just kind of give it a couple of thoughts for you. Number one, God does not negotiate. God does not negotiate by any means, and, and here's why. The reason that God does not negotiate is God does not want something from you. He doesn't want something from you. He doesn't even need anything from you. And so God does not negotiate because there's nothing that you and I have that he needs. Again, if he's God, he doesn't need anything that you and I have. So God does not negotiate. He doesn't want something from you. But here's what I need you to get today, and this is where we're going to go today, is that I don't know what your experience has been around faith and, and on all these conversations. God does not negotiate. He doesn't want something from you, but rather God wants something for you. 
And this is the premise, this is the central message of, of, of the Christian faith. And again, I don't know what your background has been, and so this might be new for you. Or this might take some unraveling of your understanding. This might uh, take some hurdles of getting over the feelings of what we're going to get into today. But, but there's, this in, there's this word in the Christian faith that kind of sums up the entire point, the entire message in its entirety. This is like that one essential epicenter to the entire Christian faith. And it's this really, really big word, and that word is grace. Grace. This is at the epicenter of Christianity. And this is where you and I get into this tension of the reason God doesn't negotiate is not because he's, you know, some angry dude up there who doesn't care about you. But first of all, he doesn't ha- we don't have anything he needs. Secondly, he wants something for us. And that is summed up in this word. And this word can be defined as unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, meaning you and I didn't do anything to earn it, to deserve it, to, to perform, to go to church enough, to give enough, to dance a little bit, to, you know, to moral up enough. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. See, God does not look at us and operate and engage in our lives based on our character, our performance, who, who we are, but rather everything stems out of God's character, who he is toward you and I. That's the conversation we're going to have today. And, and, and what's unique about this is this is one of those conversations of unconditional favor, unconditional love, and you and I have a really hard time understanding, like, if God exists, and, and, and if he is, is the God that, that Jesus came to present, that, then there's some pieces of this that come along with that, and you and I have a really hard time embracing it because we live in a world that, while maybe we can talk about unconditional love and favor, it's really hard to, to find an experience. Even, even in the best home, it probably wasn't perfect, but in the reality, you take a census, most people didn't grow up in, in, in even remotely, you know, mediocre homes. (laughs) And so you had conditional love from your parents, and you had conditional love from your classmates, and you had conditional love from your teachers, and conditional love from your boss, right? It's, It's you do these things, and then there's favor, and then there's love. And again, when we get into the the arena of grace, what we're talking about is this unconditional favor from God, that it's all about the person giving, not the person receiving. So here's what you and I think, is like we, we kind of get in these weird religious zones in our mind that we got to do X, Y, and Z in order to have favor. But, but grace shows up, and God's love shows up, and we're going to see this kind of break down in the text that we're going to be in today. But when this shows up, it's not about the person receiving, but it's about the person giving. That, that you and I get something for, 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 for nothing, if you will, from God. That, that if there's any cost to be born in a relationship with God, if there's any cost to be born in some of the things that we're talking about, it's being covered by the person giving, not receiving that grace. And here's the reality. You probably have had like l- little mini micro experiences with grace throughout your life, right? Like there's just those little moments when you got something for, for nothing. Like just, you know, like a family member or, you know, maybe you just were, you were blessed by somebody, however you want to say it, right? You had just little, little moments of like you actually genuinely received something for nothing. You're like, wow, right? Every time, here's what's funny about it, right? Every time there's an act of grace in our lives, around our lives, the person receiving that grace does not take credit for it, Right? I mean, that'd be totally backwards. It'd be actually kind of ridiculous to think like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, I received this car for free. You know, I, I didn't have the money to buy a car. I've been walking to work. I'm trying to pay my bills and get my kids to school. And, and then someone in our church gave me a car for free. Look how awesome I am. I am so deserving of that free car that I did nothing to earn. <laughs> right? It doesn't make any sense. When we are the recipients of grace, all of the credit goes to the one giving, not, not the one receiving. Does that make sense? So again, I'm just building a framework. We're going to kind of do two sides. We're going to do like a... a theology kind of mindset side today, and then we're going to move into the practical. Um, but, I, but I need you to understand, like, there's two different words we're wrestling with, grace and then mercy. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve, 
right? Mercy is getting pulled over and not getting the ticket even though you were speeding. Right? That's mercy, right? I always have this picture of like those movies, you know, where they're like, have mercy, <laughs> you know? And, and it's only because you deserve it, right? So mercy is not getting what you do deserve in a negative sense. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve on the upscale, on the, on the positive swing, okay? So the two extremes of the same conversation. But again, this is the central piece of the Christian message. So again, I don't know what you heard, what you've been exposed to, what you've been around, but this is where we're going today. So as we get into our conversation, there's this guy named Paul. Now, I told you a little bit about him last week. I'm going to kind of catch you up. He's writing this letter to a church in this, in this massive region in the Mediterranean. Um, he is imprisoned as he writes this letter. This is about 65 AD, um, meaning this is about 30 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So there are eyewitnesses everywhere. Uh, the church is exploding everywhere. Now, again, I told you before, and I'll catch you up, Paul was previously the, the Christian killer. The, the aggressive anti-Jesus, anti-church movement guy known as Saul. He's running around imprisoning Christians, killing Christians, doing everything he can to stop the Jesus movement. He meets Jesus. His life changes. He, he renames himself, if you will, Paul, and then he becomes one of the most influential leaders in the Christian movement post-Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at a letter from Paul 30 years after, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, tons of eyewitnesses, church is going crazy, blowing up all over the Mediterranean, and he's writing to a whole region of, of Jesus' followers. So this is not like a specific context for a specific area. You can think of it as he writes this letter, it applies to an entire region that is going to be circulated through, and it also applies to us today. And the reason this is important is because he's going to give us insight into this idea of grace. So let me show you. Ephesians chapter 2, this is Paul's letter as he talks about it. He says, hey, you were dead in the trespasses and sins uh, that, that you carried. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how there's this tension, I don't have time to cover it today, between like mistakes and then extended mistakes. And like at, so, at what point is a mistake no longer a mistake? Like we're really good mistakers. We don't like, you know, trespasses or sins, those words are uncomfortable and they make us feel bad and there's guilt and shame. We talked a lot about that. If you missed that, if those words make you feel funny, I encourage you to go back and check out the podcast. Super helpful, super encouraging. But Paul is using an illustration. He's trying to help us understand our relationship with God. And he uses this word dead in terms of our relationship with God, meaning what, what is dead? It's, it's literally separated from life, right? So, so when he's talking about, hey, your relationship with God, just, just on the front end, you were separated from God. In terms of your relationship with God, you didn't have one, is what he's saying. It's like you were dead to God, and God was dead to you. He's talking about the spiritual condition because of our sin, because of our mistakes, because of our transgressions, all these words, right? He's talking about where we started, and then he's going to go on to where we are because of Jesus. And again, you can pick that, that conversation back up in our podcast, and, and all of that is super helpful. But as he moves forward, he's going to kind of expand on just the uh, uh, the, the weight or the, the scope of our uh, deadness, <laughs> you know? Uh, um, he's going to like, kind of take some time to really flesh that out in the verses to follow. And, and in a second, what I'm going to do is jump to verse 4 where he kind of wraps it up and concludes with this idea of grace. Now, he's describing in detail how we were basically separated from our relationship with God. Um, and, and, and the premise is like, that, that you and I did things that violated like, like, not only our relationship with God, but even our own consciences, right? that when we really sit in our own mistakes, sometimes those mistakes are a little weightier than, than, than just kind of passing over and moving on. There's some things we wish we'd never ever have to revisit or, or, or come up against. And so he's saying, hey, there's, there's some stuff that has caused problems in our relationship with others and God. And then he goes on to talk about transitioning into this idea of grace. Now check this out. There's not, you know, in the Greek language, when we're looking at this conversation, there's not like, uh, you know, italics and bold and, you know, how, how do you emphasize underlining, highlighters, you know, there's not any of that in the Greek language. So, so the way that they would do it is build a, a sentence structure. So what, what Paul's going to do here, he's going to 
to flip the sentence structure and give us on the front end an emphasis. Think of this as like bold and italics and upsizing the font, right? There's a really, really big transition. He says, hey, you were dead. You were separated from God, but check this out. He goes on, and he says in verse four, but God, but God. This is so important. Big, big emphasis. This is a joke. I just want to give it to you because I can't get it off my mind. This is not part of my notes, but I got to tell you, okay? There's this guy, this little kid sitting in church praying with this older guy, and he's praying kind of eloquently. You know, you little kids, you're just kind of listening in. He's, God, thank you so much that you love us because we are but dust. And the kid gets home, and he asks his parents, why did God make us from butt dust? <laughs> That's all I can think every time I read this. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. It's just, I know that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but just, I had to get it out. Okay, you might not have been there. Now you're never, not going to hear anything else I say. I know, but all right. So, but God, here's, here's the deal. When, when things are going wrong, when things are, are, are struggling, when, when you're having a hard time, when you're trying to, again, get in that negotiation place. All right, God, if you will, I will. God, if, if you'll do this, I will. Right? And a lot of times when life gets hard, life gets challenging, or even if you're a follower of Jesus, you and I slip into this weird, weird place of religion that acts like we can negotiate. And what happens is in our minds, we're saying, but I. God, I know I messed up, but I'm going to do better. God, I know I haven't been to church in a while, but I'm going to try a little harder. God, I know, you know I haven't really been uh, um, you know, uh, doing what you asked over here, but I'm going to try. Right? We have this kind of tension in our own minds and hearts that we're going to try a little harder. We're going to grit our teeth. We're going to show up. Again, this is that morality-based religious idea of what it means to have a relationship with God, and it's but I, but I, I'm going to do a little better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But Paul doesn't start there. It's not but I. The, 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 the premise, the centrality of the Christian message is not but you, it's not but me, it's but God. And this is an incredible transition as he gets into the, the, the uh, conversation around grace because he's flipping the traditional approach to religion and morality. God, I know I shouldn't, but I promise I will. And I don't know, like, again, what your background has been, but if you've ever been there, I'm letting you know God doesn't negotiate. And you don't need to. Now watch what he goes on to say. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, like buckets of, there's like extra mercy, extra, extra, extra. Not, so not only are we not getting what we deserve, which is not what we want, but, but in addition, Paul has a really familiar idea of this. So, so I want you to think about Paul. You're not, you're not Paul, right? You're a pretty good person. You got your ducks lined up. I mean, for all accounts, I'm sure God should like just love you a lot based on your morality. But for Paul, I mean, he's just a dirtbag, right? Okay, so, so not like any of us, but I mean, Paul, right? I mean, he, he is a Christian killer. I mean, he's putting them in prison. I mean, he's doing everything he can to shut down the church. And, and God shows up and he says, you want to see some mercy? You want to see some grace? Paul has this firsthand experience because God shows up and takes the, the, the number one enemy of the Christian faith and the church in, in 65 AD and then flips his life around, right? Could have squashed him like a bug. I mean, I mean, for all accounts, right? I mean, you're killing all of, all of God's people, you know what I mean? I mean, he's going around just, just as this crazy murderer doing everything he can, religious zealot. I mean, God could have just stamped him out, right? But God, in his grace and mercy, says, you want to see some serious grace and mercy? Watch this. And he takes the craziest, furthest person from this story. He says, watch me use that guy. And Paul's standing there like, I, I, I know mercy firsthand. I know what I deserve, and I did not get that. And all of us can look back and be like, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, you know, 
one, one offense toward me, I might be able to turn the other cheek, but I mean, you're chasing my family down? I don't, I don't know how much I'm going to give you a little extra mercy. And so then he goes on. He says, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Now this, this is the why. So when it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to uh, uh, moving in this direction, say, so, so why is it not about my performance? Why is it not about my, my morality? Like, wh- where does this tension come in? And Paul tells us, because of the great love with which he loved us. And so w- when you ask the question, and again, I don't know if you're asking these questions, but I'm asking them so you can wrestle with them. God, why do you care? God, why would you pay any attention to me? Why would you answer any prayer? Why would you even remotely be involved in the life that I live? Why, if you care, why at all? And the answer is it has nothing to do with but I or but you or but us. And as he, he gives us the why is because of the great love with which he loved us. It's all about him, not about us. I want you to just wrestle with this premise for a second. Because of the great love with which he loved us me. Would you just like whisper that in your own mind for a second? God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved me. That's, that answers the why. This answers the why you and I can't negotiate and bargain with God. Because there's nothing that you and I do to earn this. Now, watch how he goes on in verse 5. He says, even when we were dead, and he kind of circles back around, right? Even though we were dead, we were separated from God, he made us alive together with Christ. And then it's like he pauses to kind of sum it all up, and he says it this way. He says, it's by grace that you've been saved. It's by grace, it's that unmerited, unconditional favor. He's trying to get our minds off of our performance, our morality, our how good can I be, and and trying to perform a little harder. He says it's all because of his love with which he loved us, this grace. So another way to say it is this, that God chose to unseparate you because he wanted to. That's the motive. Not because of anything that we did to earn, deserve, to manufacture, to maintain and every, this is what separates Christianity from every other world religion on the planet. Is our morality does not play a role in being made right with God. Now, he kind of keeps running on. He kind of has these massive run-on sentences. And I think he pauses again. And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Just in case they missed it, let's revisit. And so then he goes on in verse 8. Check this out. He kind of just circles back around. He says it again. It's by grace... You have been saved. And then he adds this word, just in case it wasn't clear how we, how we respond to grace, how we receive grace, you know, like what, what's the role of grace in our lives? He says it's by grace you have been saved through faith. He tells us the mode by which we enter into receive that grace. And this is the conversation that we've been having for the last six weeks through the entire conversation of starting point. It started with faith. It's trusting in God. We've asked that question. Can it be that simple? Can it be that easy? And listen, here's the deal. I don't know what your week looked like. Maybe you're just kind of on autopilot and you're not really thinking about your relationship with God at all. And others of you, you carry around this weight that that you've got to perform in a certain way for God to love you this week. And Paul's meeting us in the middle and he's saying, listen, it's not about your morality, but it should have a bearing on your life. And we're going to get there in a second. This is an amazing invitation that we receive this gift if you will, through faith. It's just a single act of faith that we trust that what Jesus did for us is enough 
That's the invitation of the Christian faith. And when we embrace that, we embrace that grace. And he goes on, check this out, verse nine. He says, it's a gift, not a result of works so that no one can boast. It's a gift, not a result of works. All right, check it out, check it out. It's a medal of honor. It's a gold star that you get. It's, it's you know, something you get because you came to church 10 times, you know, this month or, or this month. There's not, that'd be a lot of church, holy moly. I'm not going to be here that often. I'm just going to let you know, okay? You came to, you know, you went to church 10 times this year, and then you're going to earn this favor. No, no, it's a gift. It's been purchased, right? Holidays are coming up, and you get a gift for somebody, but you don't hand them the receipt and say, okay, that'll be, you know, just pay me back. It'll be great. <laughs> that's, if, don't show up at my Christmas party if you're going to do that, okay? That's not cool, right? Because that's not how a gift works. A gift is something that I bore the price for for you. And your only responsibility is to receive it. And he's helping us understand that. So, again, as, as we ha- wrestle with this question, it's not a bargaining. It's not a, a you know, how do, we, how do we leverage our good works, but rather it is a gift. Now, we're going to kind of move to the practical as we wrap up our time. Here's the question that I have for you. Is what standard, based on, you know, Paul's kind of massive dump of theology here, what, what standard, if you will, will you use to, t- to determine where you stand with God? If there is a God, what standard will you use to determine where you stand with God? And I got, I got two, two kind of questions. Number one is your behavior. That is going to be what you do that makes you right with God. And number two would be God's grace. God's grace. This unmerited favor. Which, which standard are you going to use? And by the way, there's some people that are going to pick up the Bible and they kind of reach for that and they say, hey, Lo, look here. It, it, you know, I got to do X, Y, and Z to make God happy. But I need you to understand, like in the scriptures, in the Bible, when you pick it up, there's nothing that points to you and I being made right with God by behavior. It's something that follows. We're going to get to that in a second. That there is a morality that matters, if you will, but not when it comes to terms of being in right relationship with God. So you and I have to wrestle with. Is it going to be my, my behavior or God's grace? If there is a God, which one am I going to pr- uh, press into? Is it something that I do or is it something that God has done? So l- let, me, let me ask it a different way. Is it what you do for you or is it what God has done for you that makes a way for you and I to have a relationship with God? Every religion, I need, just don't miss this part, okay, if you don't hear anything else. Every religion on the planet outside of Christianity, is about what you do. It's about the to-dos. And the problem is it's a guessing game, right? It's, it's hopefully my morality adds up. Hopefully, you know, I can, I can outweigh the scales. Christianity is about what has been done, not what you do. Andy St- Stanley, he, he says it this way. All the to-dos in Christianity, all the to-dos when it comes to following Jesus, all the to-dos are a response to what God has to done, Okay? Got it? Listen, you don't get anything else. All the to-dos in Christianity, all of the things that we do as a result of following Jesus are a response to, because of God's amazing grace, as a result of what God has to done. So let me ask you a question. You know what? Like, followers of Jesus, sometimes, I mean, I get it. You can have negative experiences and all that stuff, but like, let's just say you take a look at Jesus, and you have some positive encounters with people who love Jesus. They're not perfect, but they're genuinely engaged. You're like, man, okay, maybe there's something there, and you got to ask the question, okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, why do we forgive? We forgive because we've been forgiven. You guys get this? 
We don't forgive because like, oh no, God's going to smack us if we don't. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We serve because we've been served. We give because we have been given toward. We are kind because God showed his kindness toward us. We submit and surrender and love others because that's exactly what Jesus did toward us. Does this make sense to you? This is the premise. This is the amazing grace of God that moves us to do out of gratitude. I get to. So listen, listen. I don't have to anything as a follower of Jesus. I get to serve and love and give. So Daniel, Daniel's gonna come up and as he begins to play, I'm just gonna invite you to wrestle with your own faith journey. Because the invitation into our relationship with God is never a negotiation. It's never what can you bring to the table to make this thing right. You and I are invited to live a certain life out of response to receiving the grace of God. God. It's always a response to what has been done. It's never about what we have to do. And again, just to review, why? Why Why would God do any of this? Because he wanted to. Because he wanted you and me. It's grace. It makes no sense. And the more that you and I sit in it, Hopefully, the more it begins to overwhelm us in the right ways. Like when you look at your life, right? <laughs> the less amazing you have been, when I <laughs> the less amazing I have been, the more amazing the grace gets. So let's review. Because of his great love with which he loved you. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. Everything we've been walking through has been pointing to this reality. It's what Jesus came to introduce and make available. He said, so you guys ask the question, why would God listen? Why would God care? It has nothing to do with what we've done, but what he's done for us. And the opposite of this, as you wrestle with this, you probably know this intuitively, but the opposite of this, if, if we kind of embrace that morality, religious, I'm just going to do my best to make my part. Not only is there not like a peace and a surety that follows, but, but sometimes, and you probably experienced this, and this might be why you, 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 know, you walked away from church, stayed away from church, or you have you know, bad taste in your mouth when it comes to faith or Jesus and things like that. And it's because you ran into someone who's self-righteous. The opposite of embracing grace is this self-righteous I'm going to be good, I'm going to do good. And it starts out good, right? Or at least in, in motive. But the problem is, the more I press into my own self-righteousness, the uglier it gets, the more judgmental I become because I'm leaning into my morality and I'm measuring my morality up against yours. But when we come, when we come up against grace, you know what that does? <laughs> it's so humbling because I do nothing to earn it. I do nothing to deserve it. I do nothing to maintain it, but I need it. And so I don't have time to, to look at you and weigh my morality up against yours because it doesn't get me there. It's the same grace for you as it is for me. And so before we get into the question that I wanna, I wanna land with this morning, just kind of for you to wrestle with, I'm gonna give you a couple other things to kind of uh, just practically wrestle with in your own heart and mind. If, you, if, you're a, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, 
Is there something that you have been struggling with when it comes to the to-do category? Is there something you've been struggling to do? Like, you know it's good, you know it's right, like, you know you need to, but you're just like, ah, just having a hard time getting there. And my only question for you today would be, what would change if you considered that step in light of what has been to done? <laughs> that the motivation shifts. It's not guilt and shame. It's love. So what is it that God has been working on that you're just having a hard time moving in that direction? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I would just encourage you to wrestle with, like, what's, what's your story been like up to this point? Have you ever come into kind of just this encounter of God's amazing love by sending Jesus to die for our sins, our mistakes, our transgressions? You can call him whatever you want. That stuff that separates us from God. Jesus dies, is buried, and rises again to make available the grace of God. And it's a gift that we receive. So my question for you would be, have you ever received it? At 15 years old, I received the gift of God. And he changed my life. He didn't make me perfect. He made me different. He made me new. He's been changing me ever since. And it's this incredible grace gift that's already been purchased for you too. So as we close our time, here's, here's the question you're going to wrestle with. And here's the question we're going to pick up in our groups this week. If you're not plugged into a group, I'd encourage you. This is a space for you to grow. Most people respond to the idea of unconditional grace, the conversation we're having today. Most people respond to this with a, but what about? Which is appropriate, right? Like, it's so hard to embrace this, this unconditional, unmerited, like, ah, oh, that sounds so good. But what about? So my question for you is, just to wrestle with maybe over lunch or whatever you want, what's your, but what about? What is it for you? What's, what's hard to step into as a result of this conversation? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing, okay? Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? This is just a moment of privacy for you and me in the moment to reflect on what God is doing. God, thank you so much for your incredible, amazing grace that we had the privilege of singing about this morning. And God, I pray that that moves deeper into our hearts. This is just not a theological concept. This is a truth that we get to embrace. This is a relationship we're invited into. This is a completely amazing invitation into a relationship with you that we do nothing to earn or maintain. God, I pray that for my friends in the room that have, have grown up in and around or even just internally, they have this idea that the only way that you're going to love and accept us, the only way we're going to see favor from you is if we behave or perform in a certain way. God, would you release us from that tension this morning? Would you let us first just sit in gratitude right now that it's about what you have done, not what we do, that changes everything. God, from that place of gratitude, would you move us into the proper motivation and space? It's not about what we do, but what you have done that changes what we do. And God, for anything that we're struggling with, anything we're wrestling with, any area that we're struggling to trust you in, God, would you give us confidence today to take a step in that direction? for all of my friends in the room who are wrestling with faith, wrestling with what they believe, why they believe it. God, would you let this reality sink into their hearts and minds? If there is a God, if he really loves us, then it's a step that we take in just receiving the gift that's already been purchased. 
God, maybe you're drawing some of our friends to yourself this morning and they want to take that step. They want to receive that grace. They want to receive that gift. They want to start a relationship with you and in their own hearts and minds this morning. Would you just give them the ability to be present with you and say, God, I, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me, to rise again, to make me new. And I did nothing to earn that. And I want to receive it today. God, thank you so much for the space. I pray as we sing, as we respond today, that you continue to move in our lives and we leave here better than we showed up. It's in Jesus' name.